Welcome to the ABHA Listen and Learn Podcast, where we discuss the latest issues related to hearing and balance healthcare. And now, here are your hosts, Dr. Dana Day and Dr. Susan Schmidt. Hello, I'm Dr. Dana Day. And I am Dr. Susan Schmidt, and welcome to the ABHA Listen and Learn Podcast, hosted by Arizona Balance and Hearing. This is where we discuss all of the latest and all of the greatest advances in testing and treatment of all hearing and balance issues. Education is at the heart of our core values at ABHA, and one that Dr. Schmidt and I take very seriously, the education of both ourselves and mostly our patients. That is why we're here today. And to that end, if anyone who is listening has any specific questions you would like answered on this podcast, please go to questions at ArizonaBalance.com. That's questions at ArizonaBalance.com. And we will be sure to answer them in one of our upcoming podcasts. Also, don't forget to click subscribe so you don't miss any of our awesome future podcasts. So today... Um, I was, you know, I, I've been seeing patients for many, many years, and I just wanted to bring something up that I've noticed, um, as I'm interacting with my patients. Um, and it seems to be like this continuous hurdle (laughs) for me, um, to obtain, um, a true medical history on my patients. And so Dana, um, I want you to tell me if you've had this happen to you as well. Um, so when I'm like talking to my patients, I'm asking them questions. I'm, I'm guiding them as to, to tell me all the necessary events that led up to them coming to see me in the first place. Um, and so I ask questions to get an idea of what cause their symptoms may be, um, if, if I feel like their symptoms are going to continue to affect them in the future. And so that's kind of how I, you know, phrase my questions. Um, so it's kind of a bit like a, um, a detective. Um, so, and I think it's just a vital part of the, um, the whole interaction with helping each person. So for example, I might ask, have you ever had a previous noise, ex- any previous loud noise exposure in your life? Right? Simple mm-hmm. question, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so, so, um, so this question um, gets to the possibility of, you know, if, if there's sensory cells, there might be a decline there depending on the noise exposure. Um, it could be recent, it could be in a long time ago. And so I'm trying to tease that out. Um, and the answer I get most of the time is no, mm-mm, nah, no noise exposure. I've, I've been, have had quiet, nice life. <laughs> right. Um, and so then I'm like, okay. So sometimes I take that at face value. I'm like, okay, fine. Um, and then I go to test them. And then, you know, from the results, I see that, no, no, there must have been some noise exposure. We can see that um, in the yes. test, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, and then I go back and I'm like, okay, so. Again, let me ask you one more time, um, any loud noise exposure? And um, I, and then I go into specifics. Okay, how about concerts? Oh, yeah. How about firearms? Oh, yeah, just when I was younger. I'm like, okay, well, that's why I asked you before. <laughs> um, you know, in your lifetime, um, things like that. And so as, as far as everybody just being just, you know, up front and, you know, and just telling me what has happened in their life, I feel like um, sometimes I have to 
be more of a detective and kind of keep going back and asking, no, this doesn't make sense. Has this happened to you, Dana? Um, yes. Okay. <laughs> more times than I could say. Mm-hmm. say. And I don't know if it's because um, we're looking for lifetime exposure, history, or um, causality to their problems. Mm-hmm. So one of mine that comes to mind when you mention that is a gentleman that came to me several years ago, and um, he was having problems with balance and dizziness, um, more so balance than dizziness. And I did this history. We spent about 20 minutes. I was asking all these questions. <laughs> and no, everything's been good. Everybody, Everything's been good. And so I go on with my balance testing as I normally do. And I see these findings that don't make sense. Just like we can see a noise expo- noise-induced hearing loss mm-hmm. on an audiogram. I'm doing the testing and it doesn't make sense based on his history. And uh, we have kind of gaps at our testing where the patient rests and I can talk to them and that type of thing. And I'm getting to the end and I'm saying, now let's go back again and talk about your history. You know, even 20, 30, 40 years ago, any problem? No, no. Any dizziness? No, no. Any major surgeries, any major health changes, no, any major uh, health care, health events, no, no, I just, I just now I'm dizzy, or I, imbalanced, his was more Mm -hmm. of an imbalance, and he was falling, and that type of thing, and I'm thinking, okay, you don't get these grossly abnormal results with nothing, but I thought, okay, and so we're we're continuing talk. We, we continue to talk, and he was saying to me, "Well, uh, we were talking about what we were going to do. I don't know if it was the next week or whatever, just chit chatting in between." And mm-hmm. he says something to the effect of, um, "I have to go down to the U of A Medical Center next week." I said, "Oh, what are you going down for?" And he said, "Oh, just to follow up." And I said, oh, that's, and he, he was talking about his doctors down there, and it was very nice, so he's going to take them. I says, great, what, what are you falling up from? He goes, oh, I had a heart transplant six <laughs> months ago. <laughs> and I looked at him, and I said, no disrespect, but what do you consider a major medical <laughs> event? <laughs> because I think that's pretty major. Yes. And for whatever reason, uh, especially perhaps maybe our colleagues in the healthcare environment, in the medical environment, don't like to put cause and effect. Oh, I did this and now you're dizzy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I hear this a lot. There's nothing that I did that made you dizzy, so this has to be something else. And so I think in our patients' minds, they don't put the two, two and two together. Mm-hmm. But it is, it, it does affect the hearing and the balance and everything else. So I literally, you know, three hours of testing, and it wasn't until the very end that I figured out what was going on. Um, so now I'm a little bit more inquisitive at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And like, so if I'm hooking somebody up, I'm still asking questions because <laughs> that happened to me too just recently where I was hooking somebody up and he said something like, oh, 13 months ago when I was in the coma and I stopped. Okay, hold on. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. I, and again, I think, I think that um, sometimes patients don't realize that, for instance, if you have a, a major surgery or you were hospitalized for some major traumatic event mm-hmm. and you know your body's just healing and it's going through this healing process and so you get up slowly you work around slowly they get you up in the hospital and you know you start to feel better and better and you you want to go home so you don't put that long term or short term if you're you know 6 months versus you know, whatever you want to consider long-term, a year. You, right. I think you don't put that into perspective of this dizziness that I'm experiencing has something to do with what happened to me medically or surgically, you know, X amount of time ago. Right. And, of course, again, our, our esteemed colleagues are saying, no, this this doesn't make you dizzy. So it's interesting. It's interesting, um, you know, as far as, um, you're right. We're, we're, we're literally detectives mm-hmm. most of the time yes. because our goal, um, Susan and I's goal within our clinic is to find the root cause. If we can, not always, we can't always find it, but find the root cause. So then we can better direct the treatment. And, you know, when you just have nothing to go by, <laughs> it's right. difficult to say what the root cause is. Exactly. Exactly. So, so all of you listening out there, um, you know, if, if, you know, you're at, you know, whatever doctor's office, audiology office, whatever, and they're asking you these questions, they're asking you for a reason. And so just kind of pause for a second um, and kind of just think about it. Okay. Is this actually a no, or is there something that did happen that, um, that I need to disclose at this time. Yes. <laughs> so, um, so that would be super helpful yeah. um, for your treatment now and possible treatment in the future. Yeah, absolutely. So um, now I want to go to today's main topic, and um, this is what I'm really excited about. Um, mm-hmm. Dr. Schmidt, uh, she conducted her second tinnitus study at Arizona Balance Nearing, in 2021 so it has finished um and this is a follow-up this was a follow-up from the original study is that correct correct from the 2020 yeah Mm -hmm. so we've talked about the um the outcome of that 2020 study which led to a 95 percent success rate in treating those with tinnitus with a new hearing technology and um, when we say 95% success rate, Susan, can you qualify or quantify what that number means? Yes. So 95% um, would mean that 95% of the people participating actually had a perceived decrease in their tinnitus. Okay. So, so, so not a cure. No. Not a go. It went away. But okay. no. Um, so. um, and people are like, well, how are you quantifying that 95%? So, um, so when we did our original study, we were asking people, so, um, with the technology on and you're wearing, they wore wore it for two months and they tried out this technology to see if it had an effect on their tinnitus. Um, so 95%. So, um, 
when you were wearing this technology, we asked each person, what percentage did your tinnitus decrease with the technology? So was Mm -hmm. it a 10% decrease? Was it a 50%? Um, Was it a 90%? Um, And actually most of them, um, a good majority of them, reported that um, it was a decrease of 60 to 100% while wearing the technology. Wow. Okay. So it wasn't in the little group of 10 to 30% or the middle group about 50%. It was those that actually had a major effect on their tinnitus. So um, pretty um, substantial findings, um, which was great. We were pretty amazed by that. Um, it was higher than I had anticipated um, when I was doing the study or even before. I thought about doing this study. Um, so, so when we look at um, those numbers, as we're going to discuss in, in this episode, um, you know, what is the best way to quantify um, somebody's um, reaction to, okay, did it, is this working or is this not? Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is it, is it a questionnaire? Is it asking them, okay, let's turn it off. Let's turn it on. Now, what is your perception of mm-hmm. the change? That kind of thing. So, yeah. um, so that's kind of something that, um, has come up with this study now and that we're interested in at this point. Okay. So, um, when you decided to do this follow-up study, mm-hmm. it was different then. It wasn't the same as Correct. the first one. Correct. And as you just mentioned, you were looking at how can we better quantify or qualify their reaction, but there was more to it than that, wasn't there? Yes. Um, yeah. For this for this study, um, I just wanted to first, I just wanted to um, go a little further um, than the 2021 study. So I still wanted to look at that same group of people that we used um, for the 2020 study, um, which was, you know, somebody came in and we put this certain um, hearing technology on, which was um, fine. And then they just wore it for two months. And um, then we figured out what their tinnitus had you know, if did they have a reduction in their tinnitus? Did, did it not work at all? Did they have an increase in their tinnitus? What happened? Um, so we had such a good result that I, I thought, well, okay, so now what can we do? Um, what can we study that maybe might increase the results even more and decrease somebody's tinnitus even more? Okay. So, so, um, so for all of you listening out there, um, what we're going to talk about today, this is the first time anybody's hearing about this. Okay. So even, even Dana here, she does no, not know the I results. I do not. <laughs> so, um, so you are the first ones. <laughs> so, um, so what we're going to talk about today, I mean, this is the first time I'm talking about it, broadcasting it. I haven't even told anybody in our office. So, um, so for this study, um, we wanted to use that same hearing technology because we had such good, um, results from it, um, from the original study, but we wanted to further investigate what else could we do um, to decrease their tinnitus. So we actually had four groups of people in this study. Um, The first group was we called the lifestyle group. Um, So they were asked to follow some simple lifestyle changes. There was no technology involved. Um, We just sent them um, a weekly Um, list of, okay, each day I want you to do something that changes your daily routine or how you're eating or things like that. So we asked people, okay, today go for a walk. 
All right. Mm-hmm. Um, tomorrow, listen for listen to classical music for an hour. Um, Wednesday, eat a salad. Um, <laughs> things like that. Okay. Uh-huh. So certain things that you do every day um, that you may not may or may not normally do. Um, and so all of our suggestions were in an attempt to kind of just you know activate the brain a little bit. Okay. So if you go the same route to work every day, let's change your route one day. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you have to actually think about it a little bit and and make your lifestyle a little healthier and see if that affects your tinnitus. So that was one group. Um, And then the second group um, was strictly the hearing technology that we used in the 2020 study. So they wore these devices for two months, um, just like before, to see their decrease in tinnitus. Um, So then on the third group, um, we wanted to know, um, you know, is there something we could do in addition to the hearing technology. So um, so I had this idea of putting some mindfulness practice in with the hearing technology. Mm-hmm. Um, so so the, the participants got the benefit of the technology, plus they were instructed to use mindfulness, um, hopefully in an everyday kind of thing, um, to see if that further reduces their tinnitus. Um, so I even made videos of different mindfulness techniques that I sent out to them um, so they could use those as well. Um, to help them with that practice. Um, So that was the third group, technology and mindfulness. And then I just wanted to say, okay, let's just see if mindfulness works by itself too. So that was our fourth group, just strictly mindfulness. They got the same videos um, of, you know, different techniques of um, decreasing stress and anxiety and things like that, Um, but they did not have the technology. So those were our Four groups of people, and I was hoping we could keep track of all of them. <laughs> so, wow, that's that's a lot of groups. Yes, um, and then, um, but this allowed for some people to participate that weren't local in the Phoenix area. Correct. Which is really nice. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So not everybody had to come into the office. So, um, so we had people as far as Holland. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, that that participated in the study, which is pretty amazing um, because I could just send them the information, um, maybe even a weekly, you know, um, change of information if they were a lifestyle or, you know, or give them all those mindfulness techniques. Um, so and they just reported back as to how they were doing. Well, wow, that's great. Yeah. So um, I do know about a little, I did not see the videos, the mindfulness. Why, mm-hmm. why did you choose mindfulness? And these were, again, as you mentioned, these were your videos. This was not something you pulled out of uh, somebody's archives or anything. Right. So what was the, why mindfulness and what was the purpose of you doing your own videos? Okay. So the reason I chose mindfulness um, it has been researched um, quite a bit in the literature um, for a treatment for tinnitus because um, it does um, relax you, it decreases anxiety, and a lot of times tinnitus is caused directly or indirectly um, by anxiety. So um, so that was the original reason that I was like, oh, I, we should check into the mindfulness. But um, just on a personal note, um, I created my own tinnitus, um, not smartly, but I did. <laughs> and um, so, um, so it was bothering me at night. And so this was the technique that I used um, every night to see if I could actually change my tinnitus. And I found out Um, took me, you know, a little over a year, but I 
I had success with this. So, um, so just on a personal note, I was like, okay, let's see if other people can kind of replicate what I felt like I changed in my brain. Um, so that, that's why we chose the mindfulness. And before we go on, I just want to clarify something because it'll come up. Um, the technology that you used, mm-hmm. was it simply a masker? No. No. <laughs> Did you use a masker at all in any of your cases? Um, I'm going to say yes in okay. this study and last study too. Um, okay. it, that was our last resort, but mm-hmm. if that was needed, um, that was used. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Just for our listeners, because I'm many of them have probably heard of the masker because that's kind of what, as audiologists, we were trained to do. Mm-hmm. Not much we can do for tinnitus, but oh, now we have these maskers, and let's put this on. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what were your challenges with these groups? You've got four groups. You've got them all over. Mm-hmm. What, were some, what were some of your challenges? Mm-hmm. So, um, so in total, um, for this study, there was uh, end up ended up to be thirty two participants who actually completed the study. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, the the challenge um, was mainly the lifestyle group and the mindfulness group um, because if if I'm not physically seeing these people, um, you know, every, you know, two weeks and then a month later and then another month later. Um, so they're on their own for two months and they didn't have to come in and come into the office and say, Hey, you know, I'm doing this. Um, so the challenge for those people is they had to try to have the motivation to continue to to do this for two months, okay? Uh, uh-huh. Continue to, you know, change their lifestyle every day. Continue to um, do the mindfulness practice every day for two months um, without, you know, having to come in and, you know, like I said, with the technology people, it was easy because, you know, they were wearing it. <laughs> they yes. came in and we were checking on them and see how they were doing. Um, so that was our biggest challenge. Um, we were trying to send emails out weekly um, reminding them, hey, you know, you're still a part of the study. How's it going? Um, but, you know, a lot of people did drop out of these groups because of the fact that they didn't actually physically come into the office. We even tried to, um, you know, make it more interesting. And we gave little fun facts in the emails, thinking people want to open them up and <laughs> see what the fun <laughs> yeah. fact is with for the day. Um, but, but again, at the end of the day, um, the mindfulness and the lifestyle people um, tended to drop out um, as time went on. Mm, yeah. You know, um, I can kind of understand that. It's, it's you know, I the motivation thing, it's kind of like meat motivated to eat better and not eat the cookies and M&Ms that are around all the time. So certainly understand that. Exactly. Um, but keeping participants motivated is critical for any study and, and difficult to do. Mm-hmm. Um, as in anything, motivation is either present or it's not, and we either have it or don't. And sometimes I, even me, and just the littlest things can be motivated, but most of the time it really takes a lot to keep me motivated. So exactly. I do understand that. Yes. Um, like, yeah, like just anyway, the new year is terrible for me. Cause I always <laughs> say, okay, now I'm going to start. I know, I know 
you know, I'm going to go to the gym or I'm going to walk around the block or whatever I'm going to do. And then, you know, last for two days and then I'm done with it. So. Right. Yes. You're not supposed to do that. We know this now. Yes. <laughs> that doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So by the time we're like now, I'm like, oh, OK, well, there's a new year coming up soon. <laughs> right. I'll start again. Exactly. <laughs> yes. um, but it sounds like you tried to keep these participants motivated um, by just keeping in contact with them each week. So yes. that was, you know, kudos to you because, you know, it's kind of like for for me sometimes because of my caseload, I get overloaded. And so it's out of sight, out of mind, which, sorry, I shouldn't say that, but <laughs> it can be difficult to remember. Like I'll wake up in the middle of the night and go, oh, I wonder how... Sally Joe is doing you know, or something. I need to write that down. So I follow up. I, I don't know how you did that. That's, that's amazing. Well, we had some fourth year students helping us out. So, oh. um, so, um, so if you, if you are the type of person to actually open, you know, looks at your email every day and you'll see that email pop up, that was great. But if you're not that type of person, then that was much more difficult for, to get you that you know, to give those people the, that motivation, that um, that weekly ding, if you will, yeah. um, in their brain that says, oh, remember, we're doing this now. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so due to the lack of motivation, um, that lack of motivation could cause, did this change their t- tinnitus? Or what did you find due to that? Okay, so so great question. Um, so we track the progress of the par- these participants um, by using the Tinnitus Functional Index, or the TFI, because we like to abbreviate things. Yes. Um, so this is just a questionnaire that asks people a range of questions about their tinnitus. So um, how is it affecting your life? Is it affecting um, your communication? Is it affecting your sleep? How anxious does it make you feel? So this is a questionnaire that asks all those questions about about tinnitus and how is it affecting your life. Um, so it seems like the lifestyle group um, had the least improvement um, in their TFI um, over the two months. Um, but was that because they kind of lost interest and they uh-huh. stopped doing it? Um, you know, we don't really, I don't really know um, because a lot of the lifestyle, pe- lifestyle group did not complete yeah. the study. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so was that just because they, they lost interest or was that because it wasn't working and then they stopped? Yeah. Okay, their tinnitus wasn't changing, and then they stopped. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's the question that we're not sure of right now. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, how did the other groups do? Um, did like for the mindfulness? Did they tend to participate longer? Um, they did, yes. So um, the mindfulness group hung in there um, for the <laughs> most part <laughs> for the two months. Okay, um, and so. Again, we're looking at the the tinnitus functional index, the TFI score. So, um, so on average, they had a thirty point seven seven point drop 
in their reduction of their tinnitus um, according to that score. Um, so just as a reference, usually like a 13-point change is usually deemed a significant change. Um, so this was 30, almost 31, oh. okay? Um, so most reported a decrease in their anxiety um, with that mindfulness, as I would expect, okay, mm-hmm. which is actually a really good thing. Um, only some reported a de- decrease in their tinnitus awareness just by using the mindfulness alone, okay? okay. But m- the vast majority, if not all of them, said, oh, Oh, yeah, it's really good for my anxiety. <laughs> well, that's good. Yes. So yeah. um, anybody out there dealing with stress and anxiety, this would be a, a good a good plan of action um, for you to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what about the other groups? Yeah. So the hearing technology group, um, this is the one I'm just put on that, that certain hearing technology that we used in the other study. Um, and they had an up and down kind of um, reaction to the tinnitus. Um, some people said, okay, yeah, I put this on and yeah, it decreased my tinnitus, which is great. Some people said, I put this on, there was no reaction. And some people said, oh, I put it on and now I feel like I'm more aware of my tinnitus. Okay, So mm-hmm. if you average all everything in together, um, they only had it. A 3.75 point drop in their TFI overall. Okay. Um, so at first this was, I'm like, wow, this is surprising to me because we just did that other study. <laughs> Those yeah. participants did so well in decreasing their tinnitus. But then I remembered um, during the first study, um, I gave the participants other strategies. I just didn't put on the technology. I was like, okay, we're going to use this. And then also I want you to do this and this and this and this. Okay. Yeah. And hopefully that helps you even more. So this time I tried not to do that. It was really hard. Yeah, um, because I really want to just get in there and write, help people. Um, so this time I really tried hard and I was just like, okay, no, just put on the technology and see how you do. Um, and so they didn't do as well as they, I would predicted them to do from the 2021 study. And I think that's why. Wow. That is, that is a lot of good information there because, mm-hmm. um, it, it goes to show that one thing may not be the end-all, be-all. Right. So, um, and it's, I think we see that with, with some of our um, patients that come to us and say, I tried this, but it didn't work, or I tried this, and it may not necessarily been that it didn't work. It just, this is one of those, conditions or diseases, if you will, that needs to be attacked in, in several different angles. Exactly. Similar to other things such as, you know, if you're treating diabetes, you're not going to just treat it with medication. You're also going to treat it with lifestyle and, and diet, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and so from from the original study, um, because the word got out there, um, you know, how, how these participants did. And so I've had different people um, around the country say, okay, you know, they're contacting me saying, okay, now what did you use? And mm-hmm. I told them, and then I gave them, you know, the protocol that I used as well. I gave that to their audiologist to say, hey, just so you know, this worked for me. You might want to try it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Um, unfortunately, the people that have contacted me for the most part and have tried this particular technology somewhere else did not have the, the results um, that I thought that they should. 
<laughs> based on our study. Right. So, and I'm thinking again that that might be all of the, you know, just treating it as a holistic issue and not just one single thing that's going to fix the tinnitus. Right. Or decrease right. the tinnitus. And I think too, one of the things is also, um, and this is not a good, bad, or indifferent, I think this is just what we've seen um, is that the first thing they're going to do is treat the hearing loss. And if that doesn't um, alleviate the tinnitus, then we're going to add the masker, which in past episodes you've said that's the very last thing you do. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of you add these other things going on and um, to the mix, if you will, right before you go to, I'm going to see if we can completely just you know, divert the brain's attention away from that. And I think what's really interesting, uh, especially now um, with even both of your studies, is we are kind of maybe a little bit coming out of this pandemic, but we're still there. Mm -hmm. And so that anxiety level, I think, is huge. And um, we all need to address that in some way. That doesn't mean we treat it, mm-hmm. you know, but you're talking about the holistic approach. And I really like that idea because, you know, we're we're dealing with um, situations in which we've all been kind of locked in our homes. And so the littlest thing now becomes forefront in our in our minds. Sure. And so by the time, whether it be ringing, balance, hearing loss, other things as well, by the time they get to us, that anxiety level is so high. And just to decrease that in some way, um, whether it be through mindfulness or um, counseling or other things that are available to us. So I think that that makes a really good point. Right. So, yeah, so it looks like for tinnitus, we really have to um, treat the whole person, not just one part. Okay. So, um, so you can't really just go, okay, we're going to ignore the rest of what could be going on in your life. Um, and we're just going to try to target this because what's going on in their life is affecting the tinnitus. So exactly. We got to treat the whole thing. Um, so the, the lifestyle group, I want to go over just a little bit, um, because they had a decrease, um, in their TFI score, um, of 49.3 points, but that was a very limited number of people that actually finished wow. <laughs> the lifestyle group. Um, but even though they, you know, even though that score um, was, you know, I was like pretty impressed by that decrease. Um, but if, you know, if we asked them the question, okay, do you feel like your tinnitus decreased or your awareness decreased during that time? They said, absolutely not. Mm. <laughs> okay, so so TFI score said, yeah, looks like um, you know this was working for them, but then in in their own life, there's like, no, I didn't notice any difference whatsoever. Hmm. So that's interesting. Hmm. Exactly. So the TFI score and each person's perception did not always correlate with each other. Hmm. Wow. Let's just make this even more (laughs) convoluted and confusing. So for most studies, there is a questionnaire or a survey that yields how effective the treatment is. Um, 
across the board for us and I'm sure for others as well. Correct. Um, we have to ask ourselves, are these surveys truly a good measure of how each person is perceiving their own situation? Because even your study is suggesting that perhaps not. Right. Yes, exactly. So, so that's why for each each group, I wanted to get you know their actual thoughts and perceptions versus the the TFI score. So, I think we have one more group left, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, technology and mindfulness group. Yes. Um, so, what happened there? Yes. So, I saved the best for last. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, this group had an average drop of in the TFI score of sixty one point four. Um, so they did the best. They had the best drop. Um, some of these um, scores dropped quite a bit, like even 200 points, which is amazing. <laughs> wow. um, and so, um, you know, and, and we just didn't do like a beginning and an end. We did a beginning, a middle and an end, or sometimes even four um, TFI scores. And we could just see that constantly went down with this group. It was very consistent with this group. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Um, why is this? Why, why did they have the best results? Okay, so I have two theories um, that just come to the top of my head. Um, so the first one seems to stem from the fact that um, with the technology, these patients have an immediate change in their tinnitus, um, usually when I just put on the technology. It was mm-hmm. usually an immediate um, change. Um, so throughout the day, they felt like, wow, yeah, this is great. Um, I'm having, you know, better days. I'm not noticing this annoying noise anymore. Um, so they gain control over their tinnitus by using the technology um, just initially right off the bat. And we're in a society, we want immediate gratification, right? right? right. Uh-huh. <laughs> so you put it on and they're like, oh, it, I, I can't even hardly hear it anymore. Um, so then you add in the mindfulness work you know, on the brain's response to the tinnitus um, during times where they maybe don't have the technology on. So maybe they did it at night. Um, So they use the mindfulness to try to, okay, now I don't have the technology and maybe I'm noticing my tinnitus more. And so I'm going to use this mindfulness um, practice to see if I can gain even more control over my tinnitus just by using my cognitive skills you know my brain can my brain learn to change the the tinnitus um so that's maybe one um one of the theories um so i'm working on you know daytime and nighttime Mm -hmm. um my second theory um is that we're treating two different factors that are exasperating their tinnitus at the same time so we're treating their hearing loss um which um, decreased tinnitus by giving the brain the the needed stimulation. So we give them the stimulation. Tinnitus decreases because the brain's happy with the information that it's getting. Um, And then we're treating the anxiety component that usually people with tinnitus have as well, um, all at the same time. Okay, Mm -hmm. so again, we're not just treating one system. We're treating uh, more of a personal and a holistic approach, treating their anxiety with with the hearing deficit. Yeah. Well, that certainly makes sense. I know that many of our tinnitus patients have um, personality that is higher on the anxiety depression side, which d- I don't blame them. I mean, they're, they've been living with this noise mm-hmm. 
and it can be very difficult. Yes. And this plays into, of course, their perception of their tinnitus severity, you know. What mm. um, some people will say, oh, it doesn't bother me at all. Others will say, I, I can't live like this. Yes. So, um, and again, like we mentioned earlier, it's even escalated because we're not as active or out with um, in the public, whether it be with our family and friends or colleagues, um, as much as we were, you know, two years ago, 20 months ago. Um, these are very interesting results. I, I love um, all the information that you gave me and mm-hmm. uh, our listeners. Um, with each study on tinnitus, I think we learn what works and what doesn't work as far as finding good treatments to reduce the perception of tinnitus. I just want to remind our listeners, we're not curing it. Mm-hmm. We're reducing the perception of the tinnitus. Um, our studies do not involve a huge number of participants, but the advantage of having smaller numbers is the ability to get personal information on each individual and to find out how it actually impacts each of their lives. Right. Yeah. Yes. I like that part. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) As we look at the data from different perspectives, we may find new items that we note are important in the treatment of tinnitus as well. Um, You know, I know that uh, in the technology now, it's uh, the newer technology is the deep neural network. Um, But you actually found some patients still do better with the older technology from the first study. Mm-hmm. And I know that um, the manufacturer is wondering why. Yes. So that'll be interesting. I think that's your next. Yes, I'm interested to, <laughs> to do that as well. I'm like, why is there a difference? Is there really a difference? So I think we're going to find that out in yeah. the future. Great. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, we also need to look at the degree of hearing loss, the type of tinnitus, etc. And let everybody let you know other important data points or trends to those who have tinnitus reduction success in this particular study. Yes. Um, And we will definitely, for our listeners out there, share any additional information as we get it. This is ongoing. I can tell you that um, Dr. Schmidt is working tirelessly (laughs) in um, trying to just find better ways to reduce that perception of tinnitus, and um, she's doing a fantastic job. So we're, we're really lucky to have her in our office. Well, thank you so much. Um, but yes, as, as we go um, into more detail in, in the findings of this study compared to the other study, so if we find any, any tidbits, any trends, any really important notes, then we will definitely pass those on. Um, to anybody who's interested. Um, so, but until then, um, please know um, and share this with everybody. Um, there are things you can do for your tinnitus. Okay. Mm-hmm. Don't let anybody tell you there's nothing you can do. That is so not true. There are, there are different treatments. Everybody's different. Um, and sometimes it's difficult to find the right treatment or treatments um, for somebody, but there are treatments available. Um, so if if you're not in the Phoenix area um, or somewhere else, then you really need to find a tinnitus specialist. If you go to an ear, nose, and throat doctor, that's great, but they don't specialize in tinnitus. Um, and so... and 
also most audiologists don't as well. So if you can find somebody um, that really um, just that's their specialty, they've had some special training on how to um, work with individuals with tinnitus, that's where you want to go. Okay. Um, you can also um, email us at questions at arizonabalance.com. Um, so if you have any questions regarding the study or um, if you need us to share anything with you or, um, or you have any suggestions of, or comments of what worked for you, please, um, please email us and let us know. Um, and we'll be sure to read those and um, talk about those in future podcasts. Great. Well, thank you. Um, I just want to just put a little caveat on the end of that is that, um, yes, look for an audiologist who specializes in tinnitus, but also look for one that does whole person care. Sure. Um, because we have had situations, or excuse me, Susan has had situations in which, um, she has referred someone to a tinnitus specialist who didn't really treat the whole person mm-hmm. and the results weren't as positive. So we, we don't want you to um, miss out on other things that might be available. And, um, and if, if the audiologist isn't, isn't up to date or isn't comfortable with the whole person, but they would be comfortable with talking with Dr. Schmidt I think that would work too. Mm-hmm. It's the ones that kind of just ignore it that we need to to kind of suggest that maybe we can take it one step further. Right. Great. Exactly. Eight. Well, super. Thank you for all that. That was wonderful information, mm-hmm. and I'm sure our listeners will appreciate it as well. So now we're at tips and tricks. Um, this leads us into. Um, our next segment, and since we are talking about tinnitus, Susan, do you have any tips or tricks to share today? Sure, um, I have many, but today I'll share um, a mindfulness tip um, that might be helpful. Um, so um, we all struggle to find time in the day um, to do anything, right? So to do anything extra, there's never enough time. So then, you know, as far as practicing a mindfulness technique, um, that's just one more thing that you have to do that you don't have time to do. Um, so what I would recommend is that um, if you're going to try this practice of mindfulness, mindfulness technique or meditation technique, um, I suggest that you just do it, you know, you're, you're getting ready for bed, you're laying down, that's what you do normally every day, it doesn't take any extra time. So while you're laying there relaxing, um, thinking about, okay, it's time to go to sleep now, um, that's where you can add in this practice. And that's what I did too. So um, so just, you know, you're just laying there in bed um, and I did my deep breathing and visualization and things like that. Um, so you can start doing that at that time. You can use an app if that helps you relax. Um, and so if you fall asleep during your practice, that's great. That means, hey, <laughs> it's working. <laughs> you were relaxed. Yes. <laughs> so this is good. And I did that many times. So <laughs> that's fine. Um, so this is just one way that, you know, you can just, you know, not create another 
something for yourself to do during the day because it's just all part of going to sleep at the end of the day. Um, so again, there's many apps out there that can guide you as well. Um, if you need any guidance on that, you can just um, email us again at questions at arizonabalance.com and we'll forward all that information over to you. Great. Mm-hmm. So um, now just to have a little bit of fun, um, Dana, I have a question for you, just a fun question. Um, and this is a would you rather segment. Um, so Dana, would you rather um, learn how to fly a hot air balloon <laughs> or, or would you learn or would you rather learn how to fly a small plane? Oh, great question. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think the first thing that comes to mind would be a small plane because my um, father was a uh, pilot and he had his own plane. And I always thought, oh, I should have learned to fly when he had his own plane because it would have been a lot less expensive. <laughs> um, True. And, you know, frankly, I love hot air balloons, but it just looks like so much work. <laughs> I'm I'm rather lazy. So just to (laughs) pop in the seat of something, I know you have to look around the plane and everything, but pop in the seat and take off, I think is, is more my style. Okay. See, I didn't know if you, where you were going to go with that. Um, because in my mind, I would have been like, okay, well, I think hot air balloons crash less. So (laughs) that's where I thought you were going to go, but that's interesting. (laughs) But yeah, you're right. It is a lot of work to get the the balloon out and the basket and blow up the whole thing. And yeah, yeah, you're right. Didn't think about that part. (laughs) And I'm just, like I said, basically a lazy person at heart. That's why, you know, my motivation of walking the dog is not all that great. Right. (laughs) I would like to thank Dr. Susan Schmidt for joining me today. And I'd also like to thank you, our listeners for joining us. If you have any questions for ABHA, please post them on our Facebook page or email us at questions at Arizona, that's spelled out, balance.com, questions at arizonabalance.com. Also, don't forget to hit subscribe as we are always talking about different topics and you don't want to miss any future episodes. And for a free copy of Dr. Day's book, Re-Engage with Life and Family, you can visit our website at azbalanceandhearing.com. So that's Arizona um, abbreviated, azbalanceandhearing.com. And just click the box requesting a free copy. Or you can call our office at 602-265-265. 9,000 and request a copy that way as well. Just let one of our exceptional staff know that you heard it on our podcast today. Remember, hearing care is health care and treating your hearing loss is the number one modifiable risk factor for reducing your risk of developing dementia. Treating your hearing loss has also been shown to reduce the risk of falls decrease the experience of tinnitus, increase your social engagement, and decrease depression. Don't put it off any longer. We'd like to thank Robin, our producer, for helping us today produce this episode. Also, a shout out to Dave Pratt's Star Worldwide Networks for this lovely studio that we get to record in. 
And finally, to you, our listeners, we thank you so much for joining us. ABHA partnering with you to better balance, better hearing, better better life. Thank you for listening to the ABHA Listen and Learn podcast with Dr. Dana Day and Dr. Susan Schmidt. Join us next time as we discuss the latest issues related to hearing and balance health care. Plus, hear any of our past episodes on demand 24-7 on StarWorldWideNetworks.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.